Hey everybody, welcome to an episode of Industry Relations uh, with Rob and Greg. This is your co-host Rob Hahn, and on the line is my other co-host Greg Robertson. Greg, are you there? Hola. <laughs> Dude, where's the Rob? Where's the Hola Rob? So I'm mixing it up for you, man. <laughs> eventually, you I'm not, yeah, eventually I'm just going to get used to it. You're going to have to learn some new languages, you know? Like, what's Ola in Russian? Uh, I don't know. I, I, is it Anyozeo or Anyoshmika? <laughs> yeah, that, that? that'll work. Yeah, that'll okay, work. Right. We're going to have to work on your pronunciation a bunch. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Well, I'm not Anyozeo. Korean. Anyozeo, is that how it is? Anyozeo. Anyozeo. Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. Anyway, dude, I can't I, believe. I have, to learn, I have to learn more Korean now that Bong Joe, I mean, uh, those South Koreans right. won, won the Oscar. That was great. You know, I actually haven't seen that movie yet. I'm, I'm yeah, waiting to uh, find some time where uh, where Sonny and I can stream it. But, uh, you know, I mean, I guess if the Oscars mean anything, it's it's I'm, I'm proud of it. It's great. Yeah. Um, as I see it, man, like South Koreans have been killing it in action. Oh, totally. Films. People don't know like how good – like – I don't know if you just total aside, but there's a uh, movie. I think it's still on Amazon. It might be on Netflix called uh, Man from Nowhere. Dude, like the action sequences in that movie are just sick. And there's an interview with the guys, the directors of uh, the John Wick series. Uh-huh. That they were inspired by that movie, you know, among others. Oh, wow. How they, you know, how they did the action sequences in John Wick. So it's like. It's, it's yeah, awesome. well, you're lucky that Sonny will watch some of this stuff with you. My wife has a strict no subtitle policy. So any anything yeah. with subtitles, I have to watch on my own. Yeah. Well, Sonny, when we say Sonny will watch those movies, I think it means sort of like her Instagram will be very active while yeah. the movie's going on. Yeah, <laughs> Let's exactly. just put it that way. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I can't believe it's like February and this is our first Industry Relations this year. I know. I tried. Been, I tried to get together at Inman with you, but I mean, yeah, we both, yeah. both are kind of really busy there. So yeah, it's, it's, just, it's like we keep saying, you know, we should do this live, and it's just so hard, so yeah. freaking hard. But uh, hey, happy twenty twenty to you. Happy twenty twenty to you. That's right, and to our audience. Uh, you know, a month late, but better late than never, I guess. And there's stuff going on, and I figured we might start with the uh, aforementioned Inman conference. Because we were both there. Of course, I didn't attend any sessions because I was just in meetings back to back to back to back. Did you have a chance to catch any of the sessions? No, I caught a few sessions. I mean, a little bit of the uh, same old, same old, like, you know, how AI and how it's going to change real estate, um, you know, big data. There was, you know, some sessions on the uh, clear cooperation policy. Of course, that's still a topic and how different MLSs are going to implement that policy. Right. You know, talking about some newer entrants into the field. And we've, you know, some of that's been announced with, uh, I guess, HomeSnap Pro has some pretty advanced analytics now. And just, you know, a little bit, nothing like ground shaking. I still, there's still a little bit of a after tremors of the uh, clear cooperation policy. But, um, you know, that's about it. So what 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 was said about that? I mean, it's like Ocho's past. You know, is, is it all like details of implementation? Yeah, it's all details now. There is a lot of details, you know, and, and there's always these these fringe cases or use cases that uh, MLSs are going to have to like deal with, right? Which okay. is, you know, give me an example. Uh, what, 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 what were yeah, people bringing up? You know, a lot of times, you know, when an agent is at a listing presentation, even though the the listing isn't quite ready. Right, yeah. it isn't quite ready. Maybe they need to upgrade the kitchen, whatever. The agent wants to leave with a listing contract. 
Of course. Right. I mean, they don't want to like, okay, well, let me get back to you in three months when you're ready and we'll do this. Right. So some of the ways that people were, at least the first drafts of these things was, you know, having to do when the listing was signed. Right. So just nuanced stuff that, that they got to, you know, they got to kind of figure out. Right. Um, Right. And also just the timing, like, uh, I think they've already made it, they've already made kind of a passwords they have until May now and it used to be February or something, yeah, right? That's right. Yeah. So they push those. And then how you handle fines, right? So okay. you know, I know that on one of the MLSs, the way they handle fines is uh, they collect the fines and at the end of the year they give it to charity. Mm-hmm. Right. So that keeps the MLS out of like any harm's way of far like, oh, you're profiting off of blah, blah, blah. No. Actually yeah. you're, you know, helping this young man you know, go to college, right? Yeah, or something like yeah. that, right? Um, yeah. And how agents kind of self-police each other on who's violating those policies or not, right? Yeah. Um, there's some valid, you know, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but there are some things out there that, you know, you could see where, okay, that's that's an exception. And in real estate, there's always exceptions, right? So yeah, yeah. Uh, they're going to have, have to handle those on a case-by-case basis, I think. So- Listen, I mean, the giant, you know, 800 pound gorilla, right? It's the gaping hole, as I as I put it in one of my posts. Like, did they talk about the office exclusive thing at all? Uh, not specifically, no. Not that I saw. I mean, so what do you think? Is Ocho really going to have an impact or are we just going to move to an office exclusive environment? Well, again, if they're not really, and you made some good points in the post you made, like what exactly does mean like advertising? Is it a- right. An internal email list? Is it like going out an email list, going out to your clients? I think, you know, for all good intents and purposes, if it doesn't go to Zillow, it's not <laughs> it's not considered marketing. <laughs> right. So is that your opinion or is that what people like? No, I mean that's say? I mean, I think everybody's just kind of kicking around the edges of that, but I mean I think basically that's it, right? Um, <laughs> So if it doesn't go to Zillow, it's not marketing, which implies right. that Zillow is the market. Well, <laughs> well, in a sense it does, but it's also really the most public viewed, right? It's the most, yeah. you know, easy thing to kind of check. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, if a brokerage has a, you know, intranet where they post stuff, that's not really publicly available or accessible. So whatever. Yeah. But you know, everybody can see if it's on Zillow or not. Yeah. So all right. So here's here's a scenario that I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, I brought it up, but let's just in the new year, right? A lot more people have had a chance to think through things. So Redfin, right? right? They're all met, you know, Redfin's a realtor, right? We're going to talk about Redfin potentially in a different thing, but if they put something on their website that says something like, "Hey, uh, if you want to know about our office exclusives, right? The Redfin exclusive listings, sign up here." So a consumer goes, they sign up, and Redfin starts emailing them. Here's a you know a off MLS listing that we just took, right? It's an office exclusive. Like, there's no problem. I mean, that they they're allowed to do that, right? Well, they're a brokerage, correct? Um, but again, I mean, having heard Glenn speak and their attitudes towards fair housing and anything yeah. else, I don't see it anywhere in the near future I, that they. Yeah, they I'm not saying they they're going to do it. Yeah, I'm not saying they're going to do it. Right, I'm saying they can. Right, under Ocho. Sure. Right. So did any of anybody talk about that? Because it's just well, no, I mean, Compass for Redfin, right? So if Compass says, click here, big giant button, right, to find out about our exclusive listings. Well, I guess, you know, maybe I'll take that a little bit back. Maybe I'll walk back a little bit. I mean, if it's like something on their website. Yeah. 
that says public, you know, it's a public facing website that says, yeah. you know, do this and get that. That might be considered public advertising, right? But so, there's no listing. Do you know what I mean? There's no one to three well, main it's, street, it's, right? It's well, it, but it, but it's saying you want to see a listing, click here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. there is listings. No, no, no. What I mean is Ocho doesn't prohibit. It, no, what I mean is the listings themselves don't appear on the compass.com website. Yeah. Okay? I mean, they are sent sound, to the client yeah. by email. Yeah. I, I, I know where you're going. And again, this is again, is in reminding me of some of the conversations of nuance yeah. that every MLS is going to have to go through, right? Yeah. Some MLSs are probably going to say, no, that's bullshit. And some are going to say, well, it's not strictly the letter of the law, the policy here to kind yeah. of do that. So it's, again, it's nothing's perfect here, right? But um, right. it is, I think it has put a pause on it because I know that a lot of, you know, these portals and, and maybe even RenFed also, they, they are looking for some sort of listing differentiators on their site, right? How do we differentiate our listings or how do we differentiate listings on our site? And right. I think there's a big strategy for Compass, right? They wanted to have these kind of Oh, it's, yeah, it's, and, yeah. on, on, on that kind of thing. So this is kind of yeah. put a, a little wrinkle in that strategy. But everybody has, how can I differentiate our listings that we show on our site? Not when, when I say R, I don't even mean that they're actually, they're under contract with them. But, you know, beyond like a, a listing detail, a better listing detail page or a better search results page, right? How else can we differentiate ourselves? So I, you know, I guess what I'm wondering is, so the follow up there is, did any of the people at the sessions, because, you know, this would have been sort of my question. I just wish I could have attended <laughs> instead of being stuck in meetings. Did any of the local MLS say, you know what, this, this part about the office exclusive is optional? In other words, we don't have to abide by that as a local MLS. Did anybody talk about that at all? No, I, the overall thing was, is that every MLS, I mean, just, this is like a cliche in this business, but every MLS is different. Right. right. Everybody's going to have, are, they're all asking each other for best practices. I'm sure CMLS will have some sort of best practices webinar, but I mean, it's going to be different everywhere. Yeah, except just, the NAR, just, right. But policy 8.0 no, is but, not, that's not discretionary. That's mandatory. Do you know what no, I mean? but I mean, there's policies that NAR put down that MLS is still have different versions of it or their their interpretation of it, right? I mean, right. I don't think, I don't think Ocho's any, is, is immune to that either, right? I mean, they, you know, a lot a lot of them have their own coming soon policies, which which may cover this, right? I mean, and and like you said, what is advertising? Some MLSs right. might think that an email list is advertising. Some MLSs might not, right? So it's it's going to be different everywhere, right? So, but what I mean is like mandatory NAR mandatory policies. The MLSs who are beholden to NAR, they don't have a choice; they have to implement it, right? But you know, there's a lot of language that says it's optional or. We leave it to local MLS discretion. You know, there, there's stuff like that. I guess what I was wondering was whether the insiders had a conversation about the language about the office exclusive only appears in kind of a, in the FAQ. It's not in the policy language itself, right? So I guess what I'm wondering right. is, say a, uh, I don't know, uh, Las Vegas, because I'm here in Las Vegas. That's a NAR MLS. That's a realtor MLS. If they decide, you know what? Uh, we're not going to have an exception for office exclusives, right? Like, did anybody say, you know, that's totally legit, that's okay, because Ocho, the language of, of 8.0 doesn't specifically talk about office exclusives? No, I mean, not specifically there, but I mean, you know, I mean, even when this was like before they voted, there's MLSs that have different ways of handling coming soon. Like, you know, MRED has their PLS, 
Right, right. right. Their own and own other MLSs board. don't have that, right? So, I mean, again, yeah. it's not. I don't think a lot of times they're all going to handle it in different ways. They don't want to go away from the letter of that policy or the spirit of that thing, but but they all have their own technology, their own other policies that are you know that may cover this already, that may not. I mean, it's just all. It's a hodgepodge of different things that every MLS is going to have to deal with themselves. Deal, yeah. deal with themselves individually, right? It's, I don't, and you're going to see some collaboration. I mean, I think in the beginning there, you saw MRED and and Bright have a little bit of collaboration, right? As far as, you know, talking about things. Um, and you, you'll, you'll see those things. And I'm sure at, at the end of a year, everybody's going to coalesce around definitions and, and this and that, but there's going to be a few outliers. I mean, and then let's go back to like, well, this is an NAR policy. Well, you know, it's an NAR policy that you, you know, that you have to have, RETS or a Rezo feed or right. you have to, I mean, it, not every MLS follows that, right? I mean, IDX right. feeds, right? Uh, sometimes uh, giving away soul data. I mean, yeah, NAR says it, but it doesn't happen all the time, man. It's not, <laughs> it's not God. They're so not God, words, right? NAR, NAR's enforcement of its policies is on the weak side of things. Well, I don't know if it's on the weak side, but I mean, we know the long tail in the MLS industry, right? There's the top 40 and then... You know, right. It goes really steep from there. And a lot of right. these, you know, if I'm just talking about strictly data, you know, a lot of these MLSs, these MLS providers, the smaller MLS organizations where it's one person, they don't have servers to, and RETS databases to kind of do this kind of stuff, right? It's not, yeah. they're not thumbing their nose at anybody. It's just the resources, right? So, yeah, yeah, it's not an enforcement <laughs> thing at all. And yet they won't, they won't consolidate. They, they won't merge. They won't get bought out. You know, <laughs> no, exactly. what, are, what are we at now? 550, 600? Yeah. A little bit. Of, I think we're, over, we're below 600. Yeah. Below 600 after like 20 years. Like, wow. <laughs> at this rate, we'll hit like 300 in like 2040, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. meanwhile, like the top 40 MLSs are like, you know, 95% of the market or whatever it is. I don't yeah, know. I think the stat I read is like, you know, the top 40 represent a million of the 1.3 million NAR realtors, right? So, right, which is amazing. So, yeah. I mean, so what are you looking forward to from the MLS side, you know, for 2020? Like, what do you see happening? Do you see anything interesting happening? Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it just seems like the... I got a lot of thoughts about this, but, I, you know... The differences between how difficult it is to switch from an MLS vendor, I'll put it that way. Okay. And you know, a lot of MLSs have adopted the policy of what what's called system of choice, where if they want to acquire or have merge or have other smaller MLSs merge with them, they have to kind of acquire the MLS system that they're using at that thing, and they can either right. you know acquire the contract, but but having but asking the realtor to say, no, I want you to go from, you know, matrix to flex or the other right. way around is just unattainable, right? So they just, you know, you, you, like CRMLS recently went through a few acquisitions or what you want to call it of yeah. different things. And they brought on, I think, you know, two more different types of MLS systems, right? right? It was um, Flex and Vesta that now are, they're kind of providing services for. So you don't see that consolidation where we're all going to go onto one particular platform. It's just fascinating how that works out, right? So, right. and I don't see that changing. It's a good thing if you're an incumbent, for sure. If you're an right. incumbent MLS vendor, man, it's a fantastic thing. 
if you're not, if you're creating a new MLS system and you want to be a standalone system and, and take out the, the incumbent, man, it's yeah. If you're hard. remind, if you're remind, you're screwed. Is what you're trying. What you're well, saying. I don't know. I, I I don't know. I I I keep reading. Remind seems to change their strategy a little bit, which may be smart. Of what they're de- what they're defining as far as what their full solution is. Um, right. It's hard to keep track of. I mean, you know, everybody's kind of twisting and turning. I just saw something about HomeSnap Pro, which is doing predictive analytics now. Yeah. Which yeah. is something that Remind does and Realist does. So it's like yeah. everybody's doing the kind of the same thing. They're all coalescing around, you know, the same kind of things here. I don't you know, know, it's like the the whole system of choice, like I, I get it and I get why MLS are doing that. But it does raise the question of, is it that they have to do that because there's not enough value in the consolidation to convince the agents to learn a new system? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you I don't know, know, what do you mean by, what do you mean by value? So like, in other words, if I'm... Let's say I'm, I don't know, uh, I, I'm used to, I don't, uh, you know, 1980s, you know, computer technology. Mm-hmm. And somebody comes along and says, listen, you know, we want to, you know, merge with you or consolidate or whatever, aggregate or et cetera. And our system is like the 2020 version. It's way better than what you have. There's so much value here. So you should switch. You know, like, would, wouldn't that be normal in every other walk of life? You know what I mean? Like, nobody wants to use a typewriter if computer's available, right? Nobody wants to use horse-drawn buggy when the internal combustion engine's out there. You know, is the issue that, like, say, uh, CRMLS, right, like you had mentioned, like, they have matrix, right? Mm-hmm. Like they can't go in and say, listen, I know it's a bit of a pain, but you should just switch to this platform because it is so much better. Like it's just way better. Like it, it almost appears like they're not able to do that. Right. Well, I don't think, not- I don't think that any of the other MLS vendors, at least the perception is, well, is that really better than what we have Right. to go through right. the hassle? Right. So right. all the, all the incumbents, there's like a, 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 again, this is not me saying, but it's a, there's a perception. It's it's kind of the same thing. It's not really this super upgrade thing. There might be some nuances right. there that this or that. So so why are you making me change to that's something right. that's not that's, that's right. not a, a 10 times better experience? That's right. right? But and, the, there's then, the second part of that, right? Okay. The second part of it is, okay, yes, we're going to, you know, you have to consolidate this platform that's not substantially better than what you have today. So the first problem is, it's not like the MLS is walking in saying, "Hey, you're driving a you know 19th you know 70s jalopy. We got the we got the Audi you know seven series over here, right? So that that's the first issue, mm-hmm. right? There's not enough differentiation. But the second issue is, you got a jalopy, I got a jalopy, but we should still consolidate because there's so much value outside of the jalopy, right? <laughs> Do you know what I'm outside saying? Like, of- yeah, outside. In other words, like. Listen, we need you to switch to Flex or to Matrix or whatever, right? One of the other incumbent systems. But you should be glad to do that because of these this stack of other value we're going to bring when we take over your MLS. Do you know what I mean? Like, like it, it almost feels like that. I think of it in another way. It's like, I think what happens is they get to an agreement or they get to a point with, and again, to get even these MLSs or associations to kind of get to the point where they're even <laughs> having that discussion is taking right. a year of right. trust building and everything else, right? right. I mean, there's a lot of people that talk about 
doing the right way of doing things and the wrong way. And it takes trust level. So they finally get to that precipice. It's like, okay, we're going to do this, okay? But listen, we'll do this. We get the value and everything else. But man, if you make us switch MLS systems, I'm not going to get any support here. Right. But so that's it seems my like, point. no, you're right. I think that's my point. I think Why they see the value, but I don't, I, yeah, I, I, again, I just, I think it's just a, this tax that nobody wants to pay. Right. And no matter, you know, if rainbows came out of your asshole, I mean, I, I right. just don't, it's just like nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's saying like, it's just, it's such a pain point. And, and the last conversion they went through was, ugh, and the, you know, yeah, and, and and you know you hear about this all the time. There's been a, a few MLSs that have done conversions recently. That it's been you know it's been well documented how bad that can go, right? Sure, yeah. So nobody nobody wants to like you know be that guy. You know nobody wants to put their career on. Um, well, this is going to go really smoothly, and one reason is the MLS uh, exec is not fully control that process. Right. They've got, the, no you know, the incumbent vendor to work with and the oncoming vendor to work with. And they've got to work. Not, I mean, it's just, a, you know, is there a zero sum game here? I don't know. But I, there's a, I guess what I'm getting at, Greg, is if, if in a consolidation, because, you know, let's face it, the MLS industry, like, you know, everyone's crazy about consolidation. We need to consolidate. We need to consolidate. Right. I mean, that's been the, the call for what, the last 30 years, last 50. Right. I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. But you're right, you know, to your point, and I know this as well as anybody, like it takes 10 years before you even get to the level of trust when you get in a room and you're having real conversations, get it. And then, you know, every year the board, the leadership changes. So yeah. new president comes in and that person doesn't get And they've said the, yes. And like, okay, yeah, let's do this. Okay. Okay. First thing we have to do is convert all your members from this MLS system to the next one. Next, I'm out. Bye. But that's okay. what I'm saying. You're right. I'm saying, yes, it's next, I'm out, right? Screw you, right? We're not doing that. Yeah. What I'm getting at is, where is the value that overcomes that, right? Like, yeah, should well. there be, you know what? Yeah, it's you're going to have to convert, but you should be willing to take that pain because here's this giant mountain of value and benefits that we're going to bring to the table, Right, that's going to make it worth your while and all of your agents, all of your members to convert. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like that the MLSs that are implementing system of choice to do this are saying we're going to give you the value regardless of switching over to another MLS system. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, let's let's talk about the uh, the recent Louisiana purchase. Yeah, um, <laughs> with uh, CRMLS. That's right. right. Art has got a great staff over there, right? And he's going to provide training, support, all the things that he's really good at right? and, and that he can show value to on this system, right? And, and keeping the kind of same system that they've been on, right? So, or not, right? And the, other, and the other acquisitions that he's made, it might be another type of MLS system, but he can provide the training and support. You know, the seven day a week support, the training, um, right. all those things that that they do very well to the members without having to switch to anything, right? Right. So, right. All, the all MLS system is, is not the MLS system is not something that is traded or is considered as part of that value proposition in a sense. Right now, oh, I guess. No, believe me, I I know, I know. What I'm saying is like it's just puzzling to me. That's all, right? Yeah, it, that's all. In other words, like. You know, so art. You know, the CRMLS, the Louisiana thing was. It's awesome, and I've. I think it's going to be the first of many that we're going to see this year, maybe next year, maybe the next ten years, because there's nothing geographic about MLS 
systems, you know. But I just find it so puzzling to me that he can't do the Louisiana purchase and say, so, hey, guys, you need to switch to Matrix because we're going to provide this awesome service and awesome training. Like that service, the training to support was not enough to convince those people to move off of their system. Well, he didn't even like make that a requirement. Yeah, he didn't exactly. make that a requirement, right? Exactly, because it's a yeah. no, it's a no deal. Like there, that's you know, that's the end of the, the conversation. So I get it. I'm just saying it's so odd to me because you don't see this in any other like industry that I can think of. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you just I, don't see it. I don't know if that's because we don't see it because we're not in any industry, or if it happens like this all the time everywhere else, right? I mean, I, I mean, I, yeah, who knows? But it's not like I could go. I don't know, like go from Sprint to Verizon, right? And then like keep my same phone and change nothing. You know, it's like, no, they're like, congratulations. Thanks for switching. You have to get a phone on our system now, right? That works with our network. You know, you don't have a choice. And I switch anyway because there's value or there's something that I want, you know? Like MLS is the only one where it's like, nothing has to change. (laughs) Nothing has to change. It's it's just so odd to me, right? Yeah. It's just so odd to me. But, you know... That whole conversation leads to something like I wanted to kind of chat with you about a little bit, which is, you know, I don't know if you saw my post from last year about the fundamental problems. Right. So the fundamental problem with the MLS from my standpoint, and and that was the one that I was sort of the weakest on, right? The most tinky on, because I'm not entirely sure. I think there are lots of problems that we could point to and say, you know, you need to fix this. But one of them to me was the idea that the MLS has very little capital, and has no way to raise any capital because they're all nonprofits, or even if they are a for-profit, they're run like a nonprofit, right? Even like the broker owns. All of them, as far as I know, are all, except maybe FMLS, right? They're kind of run like nonprofits. So I guess what I'm wondering is like 2020, you're at the Inman, you're you know listening to all of our friends and peers, you know, all the people we know, having conversations about the MLS. Like, is there any sense that they're trying to solve that fundamental problem? Or first of all, is that a fundamental problem? I don't think so. Okay. If the, the MLSs don't have enough cash. That's a that's a fundamental problem. Yeah, I don't think they have enough capital to do anything. To do what? Real. Whatever they want. Like they're to, so constrained to further by enable to further enable cooperation and compensation. Well, so use one example: technology. Right. We just said that the three existing vendors are kind of on par. They're sort of the same, right? Like, why isn't CRMLS saying, okay, well, here's a 2020 version. Like, we're just going to build it ourselves. We're going to go hire, you know, 100 tech people. Like, There's MLSs that have done that. I mean, you know, um, Annie Ives over in uh, at Claws got Vesta. There's, you know. Yeah, um, I, I'm, yeah, look, you can hire a developer. What I'm saying is like, it's the same thing. RMLS. Do they have 100 what? Programmers. I don't, have 100 pro- I don't have a hundred programmers. I know. I, <laughs> I don't think I don't think mate I don't think CoreLogic has a hundred programmers working on Matrix either. I know, but that's kind of my point, right? Like if if you decide, you know, we need to build the next generation, blow it out, whatever. And that's just on technology, right? Like, and this was the difference between, say, Compass, you know, and some of the other players. Like Compass, like, you know, we have all this capital, we're just gonna go open a Seattle whatever tech center. And hire 300 programmers who work at like Microsoft and Amazon. And we're just going to blow it out. Like none of the MLS have that capability. Well, like, yes and no. I mean, so, I mean, I just, I remember reading something where 
HR just raised their dues after 20 years. Yes. So what's the get here? Okay, so you're saying HR should, if they had enough money, they could spend it on making a brand new MLS system themselves? They could if they if, if that's what they wanted to do. Or if right. HR, we've, we've already talked about how, we already talked about that they don't want to their members don't want to convert. That's they haven't seen what the possibility is, right? Right. So so it would be it would be you're saying that not only they would have to have money money to get to 100 programmers, but somehow some way that solution they came up with would be so great that right. you know I mean that's a big ask. No, what, I, what I'm saying is this. I, you know Taki. I know Taki, right? He's a okay. super smart guy. If you went to Taki and said, you know, what's your dream system, right? Money, no object. You could have whatever budget you need. What's your dream system? What what does the real MLS of the future look like? I bet you he could tell you. Do you know what I'm saying? I bet you he could say, well, you know, it would be this. That leverages AI and big data and this and that and all this stuff. I bet he could tell you, right? And that does cooperation compensation checks with whatever analysis and this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, okay, what's that cost? 50 mil, 100 mil, whatever it is. I would need, you know, some of the best programmers in the world. I would need data scientists. I need this. HR is like, well, that's nice. That's a nice dream, right? <laughs> we'll just write a check to core logic. I mean, that's what happens. That's what happens today. And Taki's smart enough not to go like, hey, Bob, you know, I need this because this is my vision. Like, he constrains his vision based on the resource that they have. And that, again, that's just on technology, right? Take another right. example. If HAR, if Bob Hale and the board decided, you know what? We want to be the Texas MLS. And we've known that for years, right? We know that HAR has this ambition of being like the Texas MLS. Agreed? Well, I'm sure every MLS in Texas wants to be the Texas of MLS, course. including so, Bob, so, sure. Yeah, this, this is not a secret. Like, you know, they changed their name. You know, it's, they're not the Houston Associated Realtors anymore. At least on the website, it's Homes and Realtors. They did the deal with Dallas. I guess I look at it and go, why doesn't HR just go, you know what, let's just acquire Netris. Let's just buy Sabor. Let's just buy, you know, Austin Border Realtors or, or Actress, their MLS system, right? Let's just acquire them. It's yeah, like, I mean, that, I mean, that's a more to me. That's a more practical use case if you had a bunch of money, right? right. If, if that was the goal. Right. I mean, fifty million to build an MLS system. I think you're just, you know, might as well shove that right into the fire. <laughs> Probably because <laughs> how the hell do you recover that investment? Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm, so yeah, I'm just using it as an example. But whatever yeah. it is that you want to do, right? I think. But but if you're not, but but the, again, you're conflating to me like. They're mostly either are or operating as a nonprofit. Correct. So they want to have money to go buy. No, I don't think they want to. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. I'm saying that MLSs, they they constrain their vision because they don't have any capital and they know that they have no way of getting any capital. Does that make sense? It's like- okay. They don't even the board, the the CEO, the staff. They don't even dream big, because they know they can't get there. Like, what's the point, right? What's the point of sitting around theorizing? Hey, you know, we could do this, we could do that. When you know there's absolutely no way you're going to get the resources to do any of that. So instead, like, they just kind of go, okay, well, what's our resource? What's our budget? What's our, you know, how much money do we have? All right, based on that, we can do this. Do you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, but I mean, okay, so where where do they get this money from? You know, I mean, so if they haven't raised their dues, if they haven't raised their dues in twenty years, where do they get this money from? That's well. First of all, forget that. I mean, imagine you're an investor and you're like, I want to invest in an MLS. The hell are you investing? It's a not for profit, right? You can't own shares in an MLS. Like, what's that for? Like CRMLS, the, the the country's largest MLS, is a nonprofit member benefit corporation under California law, right? There's like nothing to invest in. I mean, you could make a loan, I guess. You know, you could. Well, lend okay, them but money. then again, going back to what you're talking about, so is it just this mental exercise? Wouldn't it be great if MLS has had money and they could do whatever they want? Um, sure, I agree with you. <laughs> but I mean, but I'm saying that to me is the fundamental problem of the MLS, right? Because they can't, they can't be proactive about a whole the lot of- The fundamental problem of the MLS is they don't have enough money to do extra things. To do whatever. Know, right. So it constrains their, their, their vision. It constrains what they can and can't even think about doing. No? I mean, I, look, like I guess well, I- Yeah, I don't know. One I don't know, man. Up, I, right? I don't know. I mean, you say fundamental, like, you know, that's like a first principles. That's, a, yeah. you know, the biggest problem they have is they don't have enough money- yeah, to do whatever. whatever. I don't. I don't know, man. I mean, every every company has constraint, capital constraints. True, but private companies have ways of getting capital, right? Right. And the MLS simply doesn't. I mean, think about the so. Spot of so is it, is right? hold on? Is it if if you were set up not to be able to get capital? Is it a fundamental problem that you don't have enough capital? <laughs> Right, I mean, it's yeah. it's kind of a yes, it's, because it's a puzzle. Look, it's not really a puzzle. So think about it. The realtor association different because they're a nonprofit, but they're just trade organizations. They don't need capital really. And what 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 does a trade organization need capital for? Right, except lobbying. They just raise their dues. The MLS though is providing a product and a service. It's a, it's a business tool like provider, and. You don't have any money to invest, Ish. right? Ish, you know. They, they've got money to invest. I mean, I think we're talking about as how much money they have to invest, right? Yeah, th- th- that's true. When I think money to invest is like, you know, I'm saying like serious investment. I don't mean like five million here, you know, ten million there. I mean like, well, I, I mean, I you could you want to give the if you want to give the Vail MLS fifty million dollars. I mean, it's all it's all about. I mean, you want to say it's a big investment, but there's not not every MLS is. It's going to be different size investments depending on the size of the MLS, right? So maybe, yeah, absolutely. But think about it: like there are startup companies that, that pop out every single day, right? Every single day, and this was like the big disruptive thing, you know, that uh, we've all been kind of noticing over the last two, three years. Is like, okay, here's this whatever random ass startup, you know, three smart guys in San Francisco, and all of a sudden here's like. Draper Fisher or somebody saying like, here's 50 mil, go disrupt title, go disrupt uh, brokerage, go disrupt whatever. And all of a sudden, that tiny little company with no market share, no, no, nothing becomes relevant, right? In the meantime, so I look at that and I apply it to the MLS and say, okay, say take, take Vail, right? Take Vail MLS. Let's say that some venture fund somewhere says, okay, you know what? Vale, we we see kind of your narrative, what you want to do. Here's 50 mil. You don't think that makes Vale like instantly relevant in the MLS space? I think they're relevant now. I mean, they're a monopoly. I, I mean, they're relevant I, in their I, local market. If I put market. $50 million I mean, dollars into Vale MLS yeah. and 
the members are paying and there's, let's say, 100 people and they're paying 10 bucks a month yeah. for that service. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whether, you know, they might be having some great dinners and shit <laughs> or flying first class with the 50 Dude. million. But, I, I, you know, Dude, again, my point is, like, obviously that's not going to happen. Like, you know, you're, you're a business owner. If you wanted to go raise money, right, you have to have a story. You have to have a use of funds, right? Right, but you're not talking about me. You're talking about nonprofit MLS. I, I understand. I oh God. So, like I said, this is the hinkiest thing. I think my point is, if Greg Robertson tomorrow said, "You know what? I have this new vision. I could see how I could, I don't know, take over, you know, real estate uh, prop tech, right? Okay. You know, uh, and if if I do that, and you build a business plan, and you do the pro forma financials and all that, and you could show a a huge return on the investor's money. You could go raise a hundred million. You, right. Hell, you could go raise a billion. I mean, look at Compass, right? With an MLS, because they know they can't go raise the money, I'm saying they don't even try to come up with that business case. They don't try to come up with here's the use of funds, right? That's why I thought it was fundamental. Again, this is the one that I was sort of the weakest on. That's why I wanted to talk to you about it because you're fucking smart as shit. And uh, no, I'm not. Just I'm not. You are, man. Like everyone's, every, like you are. Seriously, <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I, I know you like to. Here's here's what yeah. I'm going to put chalk this up to, guy. Okay, so this is you. This is like what you typically do very well is you pull on this thread. Yeah. Right. And we start pulling and like, oh shit, he's got something here. Okay. Yeah. Let's just say. That right now, the sweater's gone, right? <laughs> and you're bare chested in front of me, and I still, I don't, I, I'm still wondering where the pony is. Okay, <laughs> you notice like a, a lot of the, a lot of what I end up doing is I end up kind of imagining counterfactuals, like things that don't exist right, right, in real life, yeah. right. So the thing that I, you know, when I went to this, when I wrote that first thing, I was thinking about FMLS. So you know, private broker owned MLS in Atlanta. You know, they're competing against Georgia MLS. And, uh, you know, our friend Jeremy, you know, just went there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's privately owned. And I've heard that their shareholder brokers actually get a pretty nice dividend payment every year, right? And I'm like, what happens if somebody were to put $100 million into FMLS? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, because because Jeremy and, and FMLS comes up with some story, some use of funds, some hey, we're going to go on an acquisition spree or, hey, we're going to develop this technology that's going to allow us to just go rape, pillage, and plunder, you know, like brokers and members from all across the country. So we're going to take our membership from whatever they are now to, you know, 500,000 members, you know, something, some story, right? Like they're privately owned. So SoftBank comes on and says, here's $100 million, right? Like what happens then to the industry as a whole? And I realized, like, that's a totally different environment, right? And the fact that most MLSs do not have the capability to even think about writing a business plan, even think about, you know, some of their big dreams. Like, there, there are no big, hairy, audacious goals in the MLS world, I guess is kind of what I'm getting at. And, and because the MLS is a technology, data, product, service provider, not a trade organization, the inability to tap capital to me felt like a real fundamental weakness. But again, I could be wrong. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think some brokers would rather be the ones that drive that change than Of course they than would. Their but MLS, then they, right? here's the thing brokers can go raise the money, right? Right. They just yeah. haven't, 
And a lot of them have no story, but a big part of it to me is come up with a story. You know, right? the, thing, the thing that could drive, that I could see what you're saying could drive something would be if you went and asked, you know, maybe this is something Swanapool asks or something, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you had, you know, and I guess when you're saying you have money, you, it's also giving them some sort of license to do bigger, bolder things. Ask a right. bunch of MLS execs, hey, if I had $5 million, what would I do? Right. Right. And then I think that exercise would spur a lot of great conversations, right? I don't know if if it's practical that that would ever happen, but it sure. could spur a lot of a, a lot of interesting conversations sure. for sure. The only thing I would do that though is let's start. That's one conversation: is what would you do different if you had five million, and what would you do different if you had fifty million, and what would you do different if you had five hundred million? Yeah, but I mean, what MLS would you give five hundred million dollars to? I mean. Uh, you know what? If there's some MLS, let's say Art Carter says, you know what? My ambition is to be the national one MLS in the entire country. And if you work the numbers, if you do some big, hairy, audacious goal kind of stuff, and you say you're going to get to 98% market share, dude, that's worth, I'd put $500 million in that. Because that company is likely worth more than if, Zillow. If, if they change their whole business model, but yeah. And obviously, right. So yeah, that's yeah, my yeah. point, right? That's yeah. my point. My point is, on the current path, the way that the MLS is operating today, the way they are today, the way their governance works today, the way their fee structure, all of it, today, no one can raise that kind of money. We know this. You know this. I know this. We all know this, right? But like Zillow's market cap is what? $6 billion, $8 billion, whatever it is, right? And they only have like, what, maybe 90,000 paying agents? Right. right? Yeah, it's true. Because they have a vision, they have this narrative, they have this big, hairy, audacious goal, and that size allowed them to get into things like iBuyer and Zillow Offer, and all these other things. Like MLSs collectively have over 1.3 million members, and yeah, part of it is because we're fragmented. Part of it is all that, but part of it to me is like, you know, where where's that? You know what? Uh, I'm going to consolidate every MLS. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the one MLS. You know, and uh, in order to do that. Here's how I'm going to get there. I'm going to change the business model. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And oh, by the way, in order to achieve any of this, I need $500 million. But well, with let's, that $500 let's, million, I could be a $10 billion company. Like nobody even thinks in those terms, right? Because they know that's a dead end. There's no point. Yeah. That's, well, maybe, that's maybe we can give our listeners some homework here as we wrap up. All right. Up. All right. Um, so maybe in the comments uh, you know, where I post this, or, you know, in Twitter, hashtag $500 million MLS. <laughs> How about MLS Big Harry Audacious Goal? MLS yeah. B-H-A-G. Yeah, MLS B-H-A-G. What would you do with, you know, you know, five fifty, five hundred million dollars $500 million? Right, right. I like that, okay. I think oh. that'd be interesting. Yeah, so that's, again, like I said, this is, you're right. I mean, it's just, you know, the conferences, the conversations do seem a little bit like, haven't we talked about this already? And you know, it's a lot of details around like implementation. Like, it's all stuff that needs to happen. Don't get me wrong. But once in a while, I think it would be really cool. And maybe we start it. Maybe we give homework to our listeners and say, listen, what are your big, hairy, audacious goals? Do you have yeah. any? Yeah. And if you don't have any, then that's fine. But if you have any, what's standing in the way of achieving that? And if the answer is capital, well... You know, <laughs> a lot of things have to change before you can even, you know, deal with that. So, yeah. 
Anyway. All right, our first one of the of the decade is a, is a is a thinker, guys. So that's right. Put your thinking caps on. That's right. Um, but uh, you know, it's a it's a good refresher. I think twenty twenty, you know, maybe is going to be a big thinking year. What do you think? Think out of the box. No, I like it. I like All it. All right, right on, man. So let's wrap up. Just want to, I guess, you know, we should probably apologize to our listeners for being kind of off the air for so long. But, yeah, uh, well, you know, you know our, our only excuse is that we have day jobs. That that's really it, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I I got, I mean, I think everybody in the office here has gotten sick, and so have I. And then, right when I got well, I went to New York, and then you know, yep. it's been a, it's been crazy so far. So it's already freaking February for crazy. That's right. Yeah. And oh, by the way, you know what? We are both uh, open to suggestions. If you want to hear uh, podcast topics or guests, we are completely open to any of your suggestions. Yeah, we so haven't. We let's have more. Let's let's say that. Let's have more guests this year. You know what? That's a great idea. Let's try that. Yeah, All like right. That. So with that, I uh, want to thank everybody for uh, for your attention. Because otherwise, Greg and I wouldn't do this. Uh, we would just have phone calls and not record them. <laughs> 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 and uh, Greg, this it's wonderful to be back in the saddle with you, my man. All right, man, and we'll have a great year. And uh, thanks to everybody. And please, if you can, go on to iTunes or. You know, Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcast, give us a good rating, write us a review. Writing the reviews really helps us out. So if yeah. you could do that, um, I would totally appreciate it. And I think I forwarded you this, but little news is that Business Insider, which is a, a, a big popular website, uh, named our podcast of one of the ones to listen to if you're into real estate. So I, I right, thought baby. that was, yeah, we, it's a little outside the industry to get that kind of acknowledgement. So that's cool. That's right, baby. That's right. Well, thank you, everybody. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye.